Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Star Wars Thrawn. You're listening to Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. I'm a visitor to your world. A Utini Podcast Network production. Every ship they add to their arsenal increases the threat to our own Amada and the Emperor's plans. Episode 143, Thrawn Ascendancy Lesser Evil Roundtable Part 2. I will start my operations here and pull the rebels apart piece by piece. On this episode, a High Republic anniversary special is announced. And I would like to keep it that way. And the Utini crew continues their conversation about Thrawn Ascendancy, Lesser Evil by Timothy Zahn. They'll be the architects of their own destruction. And now, here are your hosts. May I introduce... Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Hello everyone, welcome to the Living Force Utini Network podcast. All about uh, books in 2021 for the final time. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight to finish our roundtable conversation about Thrawn Ascendancy, Lesser Evil, is the full crew, uh, but not where you might expect them. First, however, we had the man who was eating a Cliff Bar at least a few seconds ago, <clears throat> no, Dr. Corey Helton. We're good. Or at least it's out of the shot. <laughs> it's yeah, man. It's, uh, they didn't pay for that building branding. Building up for the, uh, the holidays, you know, in the true Christmas spirit over this past weekend. Instead of hanging out with my loved ones, I stayed in my office and edited videos for like nine hours straight. And I basically edited all of the uh, trailer stuff that I had filmed, which I had literally hours <laughs> of film to sort through. Yay! And uh, I basically have seven weeks of content all ready to go for the YouTube channel, so... Um, the trailer is done now. You know, you guys heard me talk about that a couple weeks ago. I put in, I think I might have mm-hmm. used power tools for the last time today. I cut a couple of shelves that we needed to put in that I've been putting off forever today. And uh, I got a little emotional as I closed it up. I was like, dang, man, I finished this whole flipping thing. This is crazy. So, you know, I'm excited to, uh, awesome. to have that done. I can't wait to, to show off some builds and stuff at some point. <clears throat> Well, I can't wait to see the full bit uh, because you have made a dwelling. Uh, Charles, I'm assuming, has abandoned his dwelling and burned it down because he's back in his childhood home. It's Dr. Charles Hankel. That's right, guys. I'm hanging out back home in good old Somerville, South Carolina, my parents' house. Uh, been having a good time. Got into town last night. A couple of my childhood best friends were also in town. We stayed up till 7 a.m. I slept for three hours, and here we Holy are. Holy smokes. That's <laughs> That is the roundtable vibe if I've ever heard it before. Uh, I'm glad you got to hang out with your old best friends because now you're here with your new best friends. New including best the glorious, friends. the light of our lives, the runner of the show, the builder back of his own PC, Wes Jenkins. <clears throat> Hello. Um, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think Charles didn't say anything when he said new best friends. He was just like looked side to side basically <laughs> it's just like sure whatever We're right along where are they this then? is purely um, a business transaction for charles <laughs> <laughs> let me tell y'all about my drive-in this morning my god it was so good because the school is out and everybody's taking vacation and i didn't have to worry about traffic uh corporate life <laughs> What, a, so what a way to live. Tell us about your computer catastrophically failing this weekend. <clears throat> so, of course, everybody gets the updates from Windows. says, you need to update. There's some kind of update. You need to update. It says, update and restart or update and shut down. So, I chose update and shut down. Well, when I shut down and turned it back on, 
everything was gone. Everything I turned it on and it had a blue screen that said you can do these nine different repair things to see if you can get back to what you're used to and none of them worked. So I had to delete everything minus like my, my my files. But so yesterday I spent the entire day, not the entire day. I spent seven hours putting all these glorious scenes y'all see right now back together again. Just like Humpty Dumpty <laughs> fell off the wall and I fixed it. Bless you, my Wes. <laughs> Wes, so you had seven hours of building your computer back piece by piece to start to be, to be, now. To be honest with you, I kind of I wasn't really mad at it. I like doing stuff like that. Yeah, so it kept me busy. Occupied. I like being busy. Well, I'm glad you're back because Wes is running things uh, as he always does nowadays. We are here. We're talking Thrawn. If you're watching us live, hello. We're hoping you're having a great day. Uh, like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. If you're listening to us on your podcatcher of choice, you can leave us a review. Even, this is new, if you're on Spotify. Yes, all of our Spotify listeners, if you go to the Living Force page in Spotify, uh, click the three little dots that's like show more, you can now find a rate button. You can rate us five stars just like you can on Apple Podcasts. So go ahead. We'd love some Spotify ratings uh, to kind of help us find the people as the year ends. We would absolutely appreciate that. And, of course, while you're there, do that for all of our other shows that you can find on Spotify, like The Cosmic Force and like Legends Look Back, who I want to give a shout-out to tonight because last week's episode of Legends Look Back brought back a, a little bit of a favorite thing of ours that we haven't done in quite a while. They did their own episode of Lightspeed Skipping. Uh, which is something our patrons have been asking us about for the entire year because this was an old Patreon show we did uh, before 2021, and they brought it back. So if you ever wanted to know what light speed skipping was in the Eugenie heyday or might be in the future, or if you missed that show, you got to check out last week's Legends Look Back. It is an absolute hoot. Go to the YouTube channel, the video right before this one, and uh, show them some love. And last thing, last thing about love, actually. This is still about love. The Utini voting is almost over, my friends. That's right. The Utinis are next week. They are next Monday night, December 27th at 8 p.m. Eastern. We are going to be dressed to the nines. We're going to have all of our brand new overlays. We're going to have awards that we're giving out. It's going to be a great time. And we need your help still. We have had over 100 community votes, over 30 Patreon votes to help us figure out our Utini winners. But there's still room for plenty more. So as you're watching this, if you get in before Christmas Eve... Go to utini.com slash awards. There you will find the ballot uh, or the link to the ballot where you can go and vote for your Utini winners. And be sure to come back next week to see who wins our best book of the year, our best moment of the year, best comic of the year, etc. All right. With all that being said, we want to do a couple quick thank yous to our Patreon community. As we said, a bunch of them have been voting in our Utinis. And a brand new patron this week got to vote, David Cross. Welcome. Thank you for being a Patreon subscriber. We hope you're loving things like the new episode of Ghost Crew that we put out last week and all the uh, shows like a new episode of Star Wars Archives, which had the most disturbing introduction I've ever heard on a podcast. I love you, Jose. That was a lot. Uh, But we hope you're enjoying that uh, and including all of our audio commentaries for the films, all of our extra podcasts over at utini.com slash Patreon or patreon.com slash utini. And as always, if you have suggestions for Patreon, goals, things you want us to try out, things you want to be improved, you can contact Timothy, our Patreon manager, through Discord or through Patreon itself. Uh, only a couple things about of news this week. 
we did have a This Week in Star Wars that talked about some things. But most importantly, we heard on January 4th when The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray comes out and gives us the next kind of huge moment in the High Republic, the end of Wave 1, or Phase 1. I can't believe it. I'm never going to get it right. Wave 3 in Phase 1, there's going to be a High Republic anniversary special to celebrate the one year. That's right. It's only been one year of the High Republic. It will be streaming at 10 a.m. Pacific, so that's 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Central, uh, and then Mountain Time is also in there. It will include interviews with all five High Republic architects and, most importantly, the first details on Phase 2 of the High Republic. We're showing here the article on StarWars.com. Uh, guys, I gotta ask you. We have not read The Fallen Star yet, so we cannot spoil anything because we don't know what happens. When we say first details of Phase 2, do you think we're getting the next, like the first wave of book titles? Do you think we're getting new comics? What do you think we're going to see at this event on the 4th? I hope they I hope they just give us the headliners, like just in general. Like just straight up, like the books, the comics, like the couple. Like here's yeah, the next three I books. I hope that's what yeah. it is. I would kind of be surprised if that's not what it is, to be honest. Yeah, they got to give us clear. they got to give us some uh titles that hopefully give us a uh like a reveal of some sort. Yeah. Just like what happens after the fallen star. Yeah. I hope it's because, a I mean, bingo, it's, it's a bingo card, <laughs> which is Jedi faces that you cross off as they're killed. <laughs> oh my That's... god. Like, like that X-Men comic back in the day? Yeah. <laughs> Pro- great. It's, it's probably that. What if they pull a Phantom Menace? And you know, remember how the the, the soundtrack for Phantom Menace said like Qui Gon's death or yeah. whatever, <laughs> Qui Gon's funeral pyre or whatever. What if yeah. they're like, all right, the f- the first book in Phase Two is gonna be after the death of Avar Chris, and it's gonna be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it could happen. Uh, again, to be clear, haven't read anything, don't know, but uh, very excited for that. Make sure you tune in. It's gonna be in the middle of the day on January fourth. Come on, you can take your lunch break then. Get on your phone, watch the live stream. It's going to be great. And we can all freak out together in our Discord, which is the best part of all of these. We got another thing, though. We got a reveal. Uh, an upcoming book next year, Star Wars Stories of Jedi and Sith. We finally got a cover by community lauded artist Jake Bartok. Uh, we knew he was doing the art for the inside and the cover. And look at that beautiful representation of the big baddie himself, Darth Vader. Guys, uh, last time we did a cover reveal, it was not the best. This one... I'm a fan. I'm yeah. a fan. I like this I like quite the, a lot. For sure. Yeah. This is very Star Wars yeah, Rebels vibes. Blue and red. Very. I love it. Mm-hmm. Looks really cool. It looks a little... This, this is subtle. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Did you see the logo at the bottom of the Sith? And, oh, yeah, I did And that's did actually... That, that is a... I, you know, I only know this because of all the web design that I've done on our site <laughs> with all the symbols and stuff. That Sith logo is very mm-hmm. rarely used. That's very interesting that they put that there. That's the Sith logo mm-hmm. from... like that yeah. was on the... It was on. It was in in the Rise of Skywalker is where they showed it for the first time. Yeah, that's when they that's when yeah. they debuted it, and then all the reference books there. They tried to like say, "Oh, this has been the symbol yeah, of the Sith. Everyone duh, knows oh, yeah. that." Duh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's not true. We, we never used that ever. <laughs> so yeah, nope. yeah, yeah. So this is a uh, sort of unreal, sort of related. This is kind of funny. Quick, quick little tangent story. Um, my brother-in-law is collecting pins. He's been getting a bunch of Star Wars pins lately too, and he texted me a picture this week, and he was like, "What is this symbol?" Uh, that you are that, that is obviously Star Wars. I don't know what it is, and it's the symbol of the Senate is the symbol. And I'm like, holy, 
Yes, yes. It. You should look, look this up right now. There's a there's a there's a picture. There's a symbol. The the Republic Senate has this own little yeah. like logo seal thing. And I was like, how the hell did you find a pin? A pin of this is the most obscure reference ever. Sorry, I didn't mean to like interrupt us, but that was like, no, no, super super weird. Okay, (laughs) I need to see this. Yeah, Wes pull this up because this this would be technically this would be the symbol on the Bail Organa novel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Republic Senate, right? So if we ever get that, I need to know what this is. Yeah, there you go. I didn't know this. Yeah, is it this? I did not know this on the top of my head. I had to look this up. I was like, what the heck is this symbol? Yeah, they don't use it literally anywhere. Good old Wikipedia. Yeah. We love y'all. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Interesting. The more you know. Well, there you go. You learn something new every day. <laughs> uh, and if you want to learn more new things by reading more books, you got to order your books, which is a segue to say go to utini.com and check out our new releases schedule where you can see that Mission to Disaster, Justina Ireland's middle grade novel, has been delayed again, unfortunately, and will now be sold on March 1st, which means in January we get Fallen Star. In February, we get Midnight Horizon with Daniel Jose Older. And then in March, we get Mission to Disaster by Justina Ireland. And then in April, we get Queen's Hope by E.K. Johnson. So we're getting book, book, book. They're spread out, which is nice. So you don't necessarily maybe have to do two in a day. But uh, just be a heads up. So keep an eye on your pre-orders. Shipping delays did cause this delay. Uh, so be aware. Get the books you want. So, you know, support the authors you need in 2022. All right, Charles. We put some work in last week. I'll try to send it to Lesser Evil, but it's time to bring us home. Let's do it, man. Roundtable time. It is time. All right, let's do this. We're going to jump in right where we left off. We're still in the character section. Uh, we've kind of just finished talking about Rosku, who was sort of an adversary for Thrawn. Now we're going to move in and talk about some people who were for sure adversaries of Thrawn, starting with the guy with the coolest name out of this entire trilogy, Killory of Wandalon. And I don't have any specific quotes about Kalori, but you can safely bet that if I did, they would mention his cheek winglets. But (laughs) throughout this trilogy, (laughs) seriously, his cheek winglets react to everything that happens. Uh, I'm kind of a prick. (laughs) That's my impression of Kalori. So throughout the trilogy, Kalori was like the consummate fence sitter. Right, like he was like pretending to help this side, pretending to help that side. You never really knew where he was going to shake out. In this novel, he ended up playing kind of a major factor in the defeat of Jixtus, despite trying to sell Thrawn out for like the entire novel. So I want to just I want to jump to the moment where he made this all important decision. Right, Jixtus mm-hmm. is in the the fate spinner. The ship is trying to escape. He is just. I don't know, snapped his fingers and brought all of the Kilji vassals back to life, and he orders them to fire on Jixus's ship. It is destroyed. He wins the day. And I want to know, why did he fire on that ship? Did he decide it was the right thing to do? Or, you know, did he just decide the the Chiss are about to win this fight and I need to be on the winning side? Like, what what was it? Why did Kalori do what he did? Charles, one thing I love you do about these roundtables, one thing I love that you do is you really kind of pose questions and you show both sides. 
even if one side is so clearly the right answer. <laughs> um, Kalori is a sniveling little sneak that has never done anything for the right reasons. He absolutely saw that the chests were about to wreck him, and he's like, oh, wait, I've been a chest supporter the whole time. Uh, yeah, no, this guy is, is a little shit. He absolutely is self-serving and didn't think it was the right thing to do. And it, the Kilgis were just like <laughs> left without a master, and it, it was yeah. this perfect opportunity Dude, for him to be like. That was weird. It was what weird. about me? What, what, Dude, what literally that? that I like literally that. Buzz Lightyear falls into the toy machine, and they're like, ah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. Great reference. It would be like if Corey was just like, guys, I'm leaving you, Teeny, and all of us were just like. <laughs> Like it was, just, it was just over. <laughs> I know. We need a master. We just slump That'd over. Be amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, Kalori, Kalori sucks, right? Um, <laughs> I agree. I agree with you, Eric. I think everyone agrees with you. But I still, I gotta ask the question, right? I need the answer, yeah, so no, I gotta ask do. the question. It's great. That's our next shirt. Kalori sucks, right? And you're you're <laughs> completely right about the cheek winglets thing, because like, if anything made him feel nervous or anything made him feel out of place his Mm -hmm. cheek winglets fluttered a bit and i think mark thompson must have said that to me 105 (laughs) times over over like whatever whatever species uh is they like they're like they can't play poker it's just not possible for them like (laughs) (laughs) no it's all the cheek winglets are almost like a pulse you know, like they like yeah, they just start bit. like firing whenever he's nervous. I, I wish there was a I wish there was a quick yep. and easy way to like like control F and see how many times the words winglets is in this book because I bet that it's a lot. <laughs> I bet it's yeah. People are like oh, I, it's bet it, I bet it's in like, there like fifty winglets. times. Like no kidding. Like it is. Yes. it's it's Agreed. it's a lot. Yeah. Like, almost every single scene he's in is multiple times. It's it's talked about. Yeah, uh, which which reminds me when I saw the the Tim Zahn panel at CTV two. He brought up like some people think I used the word, uh, or no, it was it was the Mark Thompson interview he did on Audible. It's on YouTube. Go check it out. Uh, he was like, some people think I use uh, the word perhaps a lot, and Mark Thompson was like, oh my god, really? And it, like totally played it off like I had no idea. I'm like, Mark, you literally read it. <laughs> like you of all people know. Like I, I good poker face with Timothy Zahn, but we, you're not That's fooling funny. anyone. We <laughs> perhaps in winglets. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's move on from someone with some weird cheek winglets to someone who we don't even know how they look at all. And that was Jixtus, right? The big bad, the guy who has been the the cloaked villain kind of behind the scenes for so much of this trilogy. So here's some quotes for you. From page 12, Jixtus is speaking to uh, Nakire, and he says, I know these chists, Generalirius. They are resilient and powerful. I've seen them resist attack from without and manipulation from within. Only a combination of the two will succeed in bringing about their destruction. Then we're going to jump to the very end, page 520, when Jixus is facing his inevitable defeat. He says, the Grisks will be back, his voice cold and dark and malevolent, but you will not be here to stand against them. I wish you and your allies the pleasure of this final memory as you watch your worlds burn. So he went out with a bang. Uh, he dropped that massive threat and then hit the big red button that no one is ever supposed to hit and everything's self-destructed. And I want to know, now that we're past Jixtus, looking back at the trilogy, was he an effective villain for you? And within that question, I'm curious, did his kind of late introduction into this 
trilogy play any part in that? Before we answer that, Corey, I need you to look at the YouTube chat right now and see what Maggie just put oh in the Oh, my God. And react Holy crap. Tell Holy our listeners, crap. tell our audio listeners what Maggie Ma- just Maggie discovered. Maggie said she just, uh, she says, Corey, I looked it up in my ebook and it's used 95 times. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Perhaps the used 90 says, times. Winglets wins. That is crazy. Wow. Winglets is used five Holy more crap. times than That perhaps. is incredible. 95 times. Winglets. I've never even noticed the perhaps. I've never noticed that either. That's, in the that's book. like absolutely Ever. a writer thing. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, I way overuse this word. They're like all self conscious yeah. about it. But winglets, Timothy's on. But this winglets. is the this is the PSA. <laughs> you overuse the word winglets. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> winglets. We are firmly anti winglets. Ninety five. I said I 90? said like 50, 90, double the 50. amount that I guess. That is insane. Well, this book is like 87,000 pages yeah. long, so I think yeah. that... Yeah. That's funny. All right, uh, back to our sorry, question. Sorry, Jixis, Charles, back, I have an immediate answer to this, because yes. I absolutely love Jixis as a villain. Uh, like, uh, I'm like, because you guys know, you've heard me talk about I love Luceno books. I'm like a real big fan of that long build-up, developing the enemy type of thing, and like, I love that he was introduced late. I think that it was like kind of the... I love that they did that that general guy, what was his name in the first book? Yiv. Yiv, yeah, Yiv the benevolent. Yiv yeah, the benevolent. yeah. I love that he was the villain, and it ended up being like a, you know, like a, like a, like a false start kind of thing. Yeah, like pawn, right? Like a, like a, yeah. You know, he wasn't actually the big bad. So I love Jixis. I think he's interesting. His voice that Mark Thompson did was mm, so good. Every single time, every single time Jixis is talking, he just sounds menacing and evil and. And that sort of thing, you know, and something kind of related yes. to that too. I really like the pairing of Jixtus and that that general guy of the Nakira, yeah, Nakira, yeah, Nikira, whatever, General yeah. Arius. Uh-huh. Although I will say, I will say, <laughs> multiple times in the audiobook, I had to turn the volume down in my car because every time his voice comes on, it's this awful <laughs> guttural sound. Mark Thompson was way above and beyond for this particular character, and it was just. Sweet. Very hard to listen to when he had long monologues. Like I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if Thompson yeah. knew what he was getting into when he picked that voice as that alien. Like maybe he should have flipped forward a whole bunch of times to figure out how much he was going to have to do <laughs> that crazy voice for. Yeah, <laughs> but I love their back and forth. And then like the, the at the end when Jixus like like totally ripped the rug out from under him was just like you have had no control the whole time. It's always been me. Like, get out of my face. And then he kills him in, in point-blank range, cold blood. It's just like, holy shit, I loved yeah. it. It was it was really good. That was good stuff. Yeah, like, talking about Jixtus, if you could put Jixtus's voice from Mark Thompson at, like, a 1.6 and then the rest of the book at a 1, then that probably oh, yeah. would have worked yeah, he talks so slow. <laughs> Jixtus was talking so true. slow. <laughs> but, um... No, right. I thought I thought he was a great villain, especially because he used manipulation rather than like pure yeah. brute force or something to try to get his <clears throat> his uh try to get his uh cause to be utilized. But they also said that Jixtus was short. <clears throat> he was short. He was shorter than uh he was shorter than Nikiri. He was shorter than uh the, the Chiss. Would you say he's and about Corey? I, I knew this was gonna be an attack on me. I freaking knew it. I say I knew she just said short. I smiled. I was like, this is gonna be a Corey. freaking attack. Much taller. I, I was so we stand I kept a short looking. king. Yeah. yeah. I kept looking online to see if I could get some kind of uh 
some kind of artist rendering of him, but I couldn't find one. Not a, not a good one, anyways. In the, but they don't have it on the book, so I was just trying to get some kind of glimpse. And it would all it probably would have been was like a hood. He probably would have looked. He probably would have looked like a Jawa. It's really short. And he wears a hood. I, was, I was also thinking about that, like throughout this book too. Is I had this weird, like, like existential, like conversation with myself about about Jixis because every time I talked about him wearing like a hood and a cloak the whole time and I was just like kind of thinking about how unrealistic it is that there are these characters in Star Wars that literally nobody sees them except without their without their hood like 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 in in Palpatine in Palpatine too right like Sidious and like like mm -hmm. do they like just not go in like well-lit rooms because like they would have to like tuck that shit like way over their face so you actually can't see well Jixis had like a mask too he said didn't he, he had like Was he like it? had gloves and like Jixis's thing was well that's the thing I also had a tough time like trying to picture him because I think I had like halfway between like a Dementor <laughs> yes. and like a little bit of Marky and Roe in there yeah like it was it was interesting for me because I I agree I think Jixis was a, was a great villain despite my if y'all remember the last round table when I lost my mind over it being a grisk reveal um I Charles as much too. As we, and, we're, and we're gonna talk about this Later on, so I don't I don't want to get too ahead of us, but my thoughts on the Grisk definitely changed, in, in especially this book. I thought Jixus was a great a great antithesis to Thrawn because I think Corey, you were saying like he, you like how he manipulated people and used them because I think that is exactly the inverse of mm -hmm. Thrawn, who <clears throat> is also more on the outside. Like he's not necessarily at the front leading like combat, but he is always using people in a chess game. But he doesn't want to sacrifice pieces. He's like, I will move you to make you to use you the most effectively because I can see the board. Jixis can also see the board, but he is like, I am sacrificing aggro, aggro. It's literally two yeah. types mm -hmm. of chess players. Like, you know, you know those, those mm -hmm. guys that like, I'm going to throw all my pawns out in front. They're going to die immediately, but it'll open it up. As opposed to that person who's like, I'm going to try to lose as few pieces as possible. It'll take me longer, but I'm a little more mm -hmm. methodical. And I loved watching mm -hmm. the two of them just maneuver each other throughout. And again, the end of him being... The Grisks will be back is such a great, number one, a uh, little insurance plan to, to Zahn, who is nothing if not able to write himself into future contracts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's so true. <clears throat> How does it end? Well, I don't know. I'll tell you for like $30,000. Um, I, so I, props to Zahn for, for giving himself an out. But I also like the fact that he's like, uh, the whole book is about them finding evidence, right? Every single thing at the beginning is like, let's go here and look for the ships and find evidence. Let's go here and look for the ships and find evidence. Jixtus, his whole thing is like, you will never see my face. You will never know who I am. I will atomize myself, not only to Thrawn, but to the reader. Like, us as readers, we didn't get the behind-the-scenes thing of what he, the Grisk are. Like, that secret is kept from yeah. everyone. And I like that he took that yep. to his grave, yep. and I thought that was a nice, really strong choice. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, you bring up the fact that he just self-destructed, right? Everything's gone. Absolutely everything. And I'm I'm curious about this. Like, were y'all under the impression that Jixtis was, like, the leader of the Grisks? Or is, is he just a leader of the Grisks, right? Because he kind of... Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought he was going to escape. Me neither. And he did yeah, not. Yeah, I thought so, yeah, too. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't figure yeah. that out. Like... 
Is he like a Emperor Palpatine type character where he's like kind of behind the behind the curtain a little bit? Like he's behind the scenes, like just pulling the strings, like the puppet master kind of thing. Like I don't know, I couldn't really figure that out because he did consult with the Grisk multiple times. Also, I just want to point out, we're gonna talk about this later, but we didn't learn jack shit about the Grisk in this entire trilogy. Nope. <laughs> nope. I can't wait to talk more about that. But like, even with everything that we had about about Jixus and stuff, I don't feel like we learned a damn thing. So that's just. <laughs> I completely agree. And he's also like Thrawn yeah. in that way. When Thrawn comes into the Empire, we're like, oh my gosh, he's the Chiss. He is mm-hmm. the guy. But then in this trilogy, we learn, no, he's like, a, he's a, a commander. Like, mm-hmm. there are tons of Chiss way higher than him. And I think that's also the exact mirroring with Jixus. We come in and because he's the only one yeah. we see, we assume he's the leader. But like, no, no, I, I think he is like a, a yeah. Thrawn yeah. level dude. I think he's like a commander or something mm-hmm. and was essentially a scout. Much like Thrawn, like I can try to take over the galaxy by myself, which is also terrifying. Because if a if a commander level Grisk can almost destroy the entire chaos and ascendancy, imagine what you know the leaders yeah, right. can do. And I think yeah. that was kind of the point. I guess I thought he was the leader reading the book, but now that I think about it, I mean, if you're the leader, you wouldn't be going out and doing these specific missions and putting yourself at risk, right? Right. You'd, have, you'd be back uh, like, uh, with uh, somebody West, putting, putting yourself at risk. <laughs> putting yourself at risk man i i missed i set myself up so good for that oh man what the heck oh damn it that's so good eric i appreciate you so much yeah you know I, sometimes i think i shouldn't say those things that's a real like risk reward situation yeah weigh in about. Risk. oh damn it oh you get it that. all right Corey. stop it okay. uh, so all right Let's let's move on because y- y'all want to talk about the grisks. We're gonna get there in a second if we just jump into overarching questions. But first, the the first big question I have for you, which we sort of addressed last week a little bit, is uh, how does lesser evil compare to chaos rising and greater good? And then beyond that, <laughs> even though this is the part we touched on last week, how do you rank all of the Thrawn trilogies? So that's including. Yeah. You know, the heir to the Empire trilogy, the previous canon trilogy, and now this one. I'm excited to answer this question because I was thinking about this a great deal because you guys know I didn't plan this and do it on purpose as like some sort of academic thing. I just needed something to listen to. I re-listened to the the first Thrawn book like in the last two months, right? And while I was working on the trailer and stuff. And um, like going from that book is the last Thrawn book I read before I read this book, right? So I've you know, read the first two of this trilogy and then the original Thrawn book and then um, then this book. And I think it holds up pretty dang good. I mean, I, I'm like a sucker for origin stories. So like the first book in any trilogy always really, really hooks me. I mean, that's the case with Bane, with, with Heir to the Empire, with like the, the original oh, Thrawn Bane. books. Like I'm always a sucker for the origin story. Um, and it's really easy to mess up the third book in a trilogy, like where you don't feel like it concludes well. But I felt like it, con- it concluded pretty dang well. Like it sets up the first Thrawn book really, really well. I'm very glad that I just read that because, like, I had a lot of questions about Thrawn's origin with the Empire, and they flow together really nicely between the this book and that book. So I think it holds up well. I, I need to re-listen to the Heir of the Empire series. I haven't I haven't read those books. I mean, you guys have all read them way more recently than I have. I mean, it's been literally like mm-hmm. a decade since I've read them. So um you know, I would like to I would like to pick that up and compare <clears throat> this trilogy. I think I think as a, if we're talking pure trilogies though, 
the Ascendancy trilogy compared to the first Canon Thrawn trilogy is not even a competition. In re- in re- in reality, <laughs> like the first Thrawn book is kind of by itself, and you have the next two books, which we kind of didn't love, to be honest. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, I I think it holds up pretty dang well. What about this versus Chaos Rising? Greater good rank. Th- rank. The I think three. I would do. Which one is which? Chaos Rising is the first one. Yep. So I yep. Think, and then Greater Good's two. Yeah, I think I would do three. the first one. Um, Chaos Rising, then um, Lesser Evil, then Greater Good. I think is how I would do it. So one, three, two. Cool. I think, I think that's how I would do it. What do you guys think? Yeah, Wes, what do you think? I'm gonna go to Wes. Okay, so I would rate. I'll just rate the books in the trilogy. I would rate Lesser Evil one, Greater Good two, <clears throat> and then Chaos Rising three. Cool. Um. I really like this book. It was especially the very ending, um, which tell which shows us why he was actually mm-hmm. exiled and the reasoning mm-hmm. behind it. Um, but um, I have a special place in my heart for the Heir to the Empire trilogy, just because it was my first Star Wars trilogy. And compared to all the canon that I've read, um, it is out there, and I it's, it's they're too wide. Uh, timelines i guess that i really like the the legends thrawn uh, trilogy probably the best now saying that i remember after i was finished with well when did they say he was a grisk was that was it after um so the end of greater Chaos good, rising i think wasn't it greater good the yeah, yeah, greater good in the first yeah. one <clears throat> okay yeah. So that's when that's when you specifically asked me, Charles, can you believe it? Can you believe what happened at the end? The grisks. And I was like, sure. <laughs> oh, that's because right. I have I have not read Alliances or Treason in the in the first Canon Thrawn trilogy. So I was just like, Yeah, they're a grisk. What's what's Tre- the problem? Treason Treason. <laughs> but yeah, it's if I'd like act- to go back and listen if to If I had actually read them, then it would yeah, have been a big like reveal. Yeah, I would like to go back and, li- and sure. listen yeah. to Treason again, I think after this because that's the one where I first introduced the Gris like in the in the timeline essentially, right? Like of uh mm-hmm. well, when these books came out. Yeah. I would like to see how that book holds up because I remember the Arlani stuff being really good in that book and that sort of thing. But the Gris were like this weird evil <laughs> that we still don't, we still don't know anything yeah. about. <laughs> So I need to I need to read those because I'm I'm interested to know what happened or what happens with him and Anakin, or him and mm-hmm. Vader, because um, I mean the cover of the book looks great. It sure does. <laughs> That's something I should. Thanks, Eric. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, what I have uh, I have a week and a half before um, the Fall Fallen Star, Star comes out, so yeah. I might be able to to knock that out on audio book. Well, who knows? Um, but yeah. Answering your question, I love the Legends Thrawn trilogy the best, but um, uh, Lesser Evil is my favorite of the trilogy, of the second Thrawn canon that's the, trilogy. It's okay. the second one, right? Nice. Right? Is no, that's it, this, oh, this one. one's Oh, shit. I cannot keep these names straight, like, at all. <laughs> this one's the second the this second is the audio book. This is an audiobook problem. That <laughs> is what this is. It's very frustrating. So... I love both those answers. I like, especially because, Corey, I still remember to this day how excited you were about Chaos Rising existing. Like, you gave it a perfect 10 on the show. I loved it. It was our book of the year. Mm -hmm. And it changed my my entire life about Thrawn. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I got him. 
Wes, I like your order specifically because you went three, two, one, which means for you, each book in the trilogy got better, which is kind of the ideal. That's what you want is that the author gets better. Um, and Charles, I want to hear yours, but I will say, oh, I'm, t- I'm tilting. I'm tilting now. I, I'm going to say, I think lesser evil is the best. Mm. However, I think Chaos Rising is my favorite. Mm. I think so. I'm gonna go Chaos Rising okay. number one. I'm gonna go Lesser Evil two, like very, very close, and you, and that could change based yep. on the day. Yep. Honestly, um, mainly because of the Thrash stuff. I think really brought Lesser Evil up for me, and then Greater Good is 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 the is the last. Uh, Stephanie Mack in the chat says something I, I very much agree with. Uh, Greater Good was a little all over the place and a little tricky to follow for me as well. Uh, mm-hmm. With all the um, storylines, and they bounced around with the memories. It was a bit harder for me, mm-hmm. but I will say Ascendancy Trilogy, firmly number one for me. Legends Trilogy, number two, because I really like all the Mara stuff, especially. I think he writes the original trilogy characters very well, and it's just very epic. And number three is the first Thrawn canon trilogy. Like you guys said, I think Thrawn itself is very good. The first origin story, very good. Throne Alliances and Throne Treason are my two least favorite canon books I have ever finished. And I have not revisited them since I first read them. I don't have time to revisit books, but hypothetically, if I did, I also would like to go back now with this trilogy in mind and kind of put that on. And also all the Padme stuff we now know, I'd like to put that on. So, which also, I don't mind working a little harder to like books. That's okay. But uh, those really were, were pretty rough. So, Chaos Rising, Lesser Evil, Greater Good for the trilogy. Ascendancy, Legends trilogy, first canon. That's my order. Okay, yeah. So everyone's a little bit different. Um, I will say for this trilogy, I'm putting Lesser Evil number one. I think this was the best book, and I agree, mostly because of the Thrass stuff. Uh, I thought that was really powerful. And getting the payoff is always helpful, right? Uh, but, But this book stands on the shoulders of the other two, and so it's a bit unfair to rank them. Chaos Rising, number two for me. And then Greater Good, number three, because I agree it was all over the place. But I, I will say that the actual plot line of like this jewelry, using this jewelry to like secretly make multiple families like think there's some Nyak's mine and trick them all into going to try to take over the mine and fight each other. I thought that was more impressive as a plot and like as a ploy that Jixus put out then even what happened in this book so i agree i thought that I was agree. very convoluted and yeah like oh, in it a was good, in but a good once way. you understood yeah, it way. like once yes. the flip yeah. switch it was like holy it's like crap. pulp fiction um yeah. 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 yeah 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 greater greater good does have the best that's true the best uh pulling the rug out yeah. moment when you realize oh oh my god wait is it's a civil war yeah like that moment i think is is higher than the reveal in lesser evil which is just a great battle yeah which is awesome but I agree, Charles. Yeah. Great point. And then trilogies, yes, this is the best one for me. Number two being Legends, number three being the first canon throne trilogy. <laughs> so I, I definitely agree with that. Um, y'all have already talked a lot about like my next question, but I, I still have a question on the back of it. The the grisks, right? Like <laughs> we spent so much time on the grisks and sure. and we still don't know anything about them exactly like Corey said. We used to moan and groan about them. I, if if y'all have not read <laughs> the uh, Throne Alliances and Throne Treason, and you've not listened to our roundtables, 
Um, it was one of the things we were a little bit more down on, not as excited about. And now that we've gotten essentially more, we hated them pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, we, say, like, we were we were not we were younger. We were a little more fiery in our in our younger age. We we were, we were pretty brutal. We were pretty harsh. On yeah, yeah, we were not nice. We were not nice to the Grisks. Now we've gotten essentially a whole another trilogy that involves them. And, and I'm curious, where do you sit with them now? And beyond that, do you want more? Like, do you need answers to the questions that we still have about them? Do you want to see them come back beyond what we got in Treason and Alliances? I I feel like the Grisk are the closest thing in canon that we've ever gotten to the views on Vong, right? And in Legends, yes. right? So if you're not familiar with yes. this plot line, the new Jedi Order series in Legends is a 19-book series all about the Yuuzhan Vong invasion, who are the species of aliens. Like It feels like Star Trek, to be honest. Um, this weird species of aliens who their entire civilization is built around like biologic warfare, and all their ships are like living creatures, and it's crazy. And there are these insane aliens from out beyond wherever, space, lesser space, and like... Uh, like they just invade and, and wreak havoc on the galaxy. And I think that's what this is trying to be. But it's still, even after all this time, has not hit the mark, I feel like. Like, hmm. even in this book, we got we got some cool stuff of, like, their ships are utterly devastating. And, like, like they, they're ultra-powerful. Mm-hmm. But, like, we didn't get enough still. We got Jixtus, and that's it. But he was not on a Grisk ship. He was on a friggin', like... Uh, whatever, kills you more shit, right? He was on a kills, yeah. and then he got on his flagship. But that whole, that yeah, whole fate spinner, spinner yeah. last battle thing was like such a blur. So much stuff happened in that one scene. Like you couldn't have. He mostly hid in the upper atmosphere. True. of the planet on the face. That's spinner. right. That's right. So I still, I feel like we, <laughs> yeah, we still missed it. Like if 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 we would have gotten like like an entire plot line where Thrawn like got to visit a planet that the Grisk had like like conquered and they had truly conquered it like like killed the entire population or something insane like that like maybe i could appreciate it mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like a threat worth like faking your exile and going to work for the empire it doesn't feel like that level of threat like you know what i mean hmm. yeah hmm. Mm-hmm. i feel like they if they had if they had had a scene <laughs> where the Chiss or even the Kilji had like approached a group of people and they all turn around. It's every, it's all these hooded grisks and there's like a million of them. And you can see them like how they, like you said, Corey, how they say it, it yeah. took over a planet. They're or they, scary. Like, they weren't scared. An entire yeah, yeah. race of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. but just the one doesn't yep. scare me. <clears throat> if it was, if they had said something or if, Zahn had said something or alluded to there being like the planet where they all, you know, scheme mm-hmm. and plot, then maybe that would, they would give me some kind of inkling of being afraid of him. But I wasn't too afraid yeah. of him. I mean, he had a, he had a pretty they cool got their, voice. They got their ass kicked by a little, <laughs> audio book. By a little fleet of Thrawn and his bros, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't even <laughs> like the true. real Chiss army. It was just like, you know, just Thrawn and his friends. Yeah, I will Maybe that's will what he say... wants us to believe. Maybe, because I will say hilariously, I agree with all your reasonings, but I came to the opposite conclusion because I agree. I think we saw only the one and it wasn't that much of an outward show of force, but because we saw so few and he was able to do so much in the trilogy, I thought that made him more threatening. 
Mm. Because in treason or alliances, one of the two, who's to say? <laughs> I guess, alliances I guess is the Anakin one. That's um, pretty much all he needs to know. <laughs> that's true. So, so I guess this is treason. Thrawn made a big deal about how the Grisks would come into a civilization, and they didn't come with giant armies. They would essentially <clears throat> infiltrate, turn the tide of the culture, and then but use not, them as not weapons. the Grisk Basically, though. Like, that was just Jixtus. <clears throat> yeah, right. What I'm saying, like that—that that was the the legend of what yeah. the Grisk would do, and I think we see that with Jixtus. Almost mm. gets that. He almost gets that in, at the end of Greater Good, and only if Thrawn hadn't been there. To break a lot of rules and essentially talk the Chiss out of civil war, I think it yeah, would have succeeded. Yeah, that's fair. And which I think shows the importance of both Thrawn and Jextus. But all that being said, I think what this trilogy did was turn the Grisk from someone that I was just so out on and annoyed by if they existed to now, like, there was that little rumor that uh, if the guys that bang in the drums in the Star Wars Eclipse trailer, if those were Grisk, <laughs> or if, like, Marquee on Road turned out to be yeah. a Grisk, or... Yeah. If, honestly, if they show up now, I'll be like, oh, yeah, rad, yeah, I, cool. I totally like, agree I'm, I'm actually that. very yeah. excited If they are brought them. in some other medium, yes. I will 100% be on board. Like, I, yeah, yes. I, I definitely appreciate yeah. them as a big, a big idea now, which, like... Yeah. I feel like it has to be somewhere along the lines. Like, let's, let's, let's speculate for a quick second. We don't like doing that a whole lot, um... You know, uh, but <laughs> yeah. like, how are we, how is this plot line going to be concluded? Like, is it going to be concluded? Like, how the hell are they going to do it? Is this going to be the, the Thrawn Ezra Ahsoka show? Is this what this is going to be? I think Thrawn, here's the thing. Cause <clears throat> we can speculate, but before we get into too many speculations, I'm going to be the slight Debbie Downer wet okay. towel, which is the fact that Timothy Zahn writes these books in a vacuum. Yeah. He does. Like, Story Group has an idea, but he does not talk to it's Dave true. Filoni. He does not write on the shows. Like, Timothy Zahn, he, he, he said, like, he has reached out, like, hey, if you want input from me, like, they do not ask mm -hmm. him for it. Like, Zahn is writing these because Zahn writes yeah. Throne Trilogies, which is awesome. <clears throat> and I think the Grisk, I think he, in his mind, the Grisk could absolutely be a galactic threat. And I would, I would frankly love if in the Ahsoka show she finds... Uh, Thrawn and Ezra, and Thrawn has told Ezra the story of the Grisk, and mm. that's the thing. Realistically, I, I don't know if Filoni's doing that. I, mm. I think it'll be something yeah. different, yeah, that's fair. because that seems like not really that vibe. But that being said, I do think there is a possibility of a future series that takes um, <clears throat> like Aralani and Samacro and Cherry and um, them to further fight the Grisk like, without Thrawn. I don't know if it would work, but I think that he has essentially <clears throat> created such an – or or Thrawn's return to the Ascendancy. Like, I think there is definitely a possibility of furthering the Gris yeah. storyline with them, but I don't think we're going to see it. Well, in let me, let me ask this, Eric, because you were at you were at that panel with, with Zahn recently, like last mm -hmm. weekend or whatever, and um, yeah. did – you know, we talked briefly. There were some rumors a couple weeks ago that maybe Zahn was thinking about retiring from Star Wars books. Did he have any comments about anything in that regard? Not that I heard. I missed a couple questions. Um, but as much as I could tell, he seemed uh, in his discussions that, like, he is always willing – to write the books that the contracts are sent, I think is, is the lamest way to say it. Like he is, he was very clear. He's like, I write these books to yeah. feed my family and I have a good time doing it. And I think if star Wars was like, Hey, we want another Thrawn trilogy. So it sounds like, it. it sounds like he does not have a contract in hand for the next project is what it sounds like. No, 
<clears throat> not that I've heard. Because what happened with this one apparently was that um, Tom, our buddy Del Rey, he literally took Zahn out to breakfast at Celebration and said, hey, would you ever want to do uh, another Thrawn trilogy of like a younger Thrawn? And Timothy Zahn said, oh, that would be cool. I don't know if they'd go for it, though. And Tom literally said, no, they've already signed off on it. I'm pitching it to you. <laughs> so that's how this one came about. So whether that's going to happen yeah. again, maybe. But I also think that could make up for the fact where he's like, I don't know. I don't have a contract. But maybe Tom and the folks at Del Rey are already kind of figuring out the next Fair pitch. Fair enough. Yeah. So just pointing out where we are in the timeline right now. This is between episode three and four. No. This year, no. This, no. At the at the end of this, yeah. At the, the end of, end of okay, this yeah, novel, it, Revenge of the Sith had just happened. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, because the exile. We talked about is, that. Is, All right, Vader, I just want right. to say really quick that whole little tie-in of like the word on the street is that this one guy is now in charge. Like that shit was awesome. I loved that yeah. small addition. Um, I'm talking about Anakin, kind of like in that in the third person sort of of like that sort of meta discussion of like yep. surely General Skywalker is still alive or at least someone will have remembered him. I'm just like, dude, that was cool. Mm-hmm. I loved that. That was a great tie-in. Uh, and it's like Thrawn. That's a great point. However, the weirdest stuff yeah. happened. <laughs> um, you would not yeah. believe what's going on with General Skywalker in the last. Uh, hold on. Yeah, exactly. Week. <laughs> um, he has less <laughs> limbs than he had previously. Like, let's just say that. But you think about it, if, if Thrawn had been exiled three weeks earlier, what if he had act he would have seen Anakin again? And then yeah. what if Anakin finds Thrawn and doesn't become Darth Vader? I wonder Vader? how Thrawn would have reacted to being on the sidelines as Order sixty six happened. That would have been very interesting thought line too, of like seeing what because yeah. he's still pretty. Yeah, would he be? Would he be like, like? Would he be like super freaked wrong. out that like holy crap the entire government has collapsed like? Dude, what you can't if help me fight the risks? What if he did get picked up from a world earlier? Remember, they said that they were going to drop him on a world. He's going to hopefully get picked up, mm-hmm. and if it didn't work, they'd move him to a new one. What if he did yeah. get picked up? He was like on a military ship when Order sixty six happened, and he had to start over. Yeah, yeah, basically had to start over and just drop down to a new planet. Um, crazy. Write it, write oh, it, Zon. Like, oh, yeah, God. It. yeah, seriously. Yeah, the, whole, the I, I will say, if. I will say, now having done. We get to see how he was exiled, and we also get to see like how the exile plays out, like in the first Thrawn book. It's like barely plausible, quite mm-hmm. frankly. Like, like the whole thing of like this yeah. this one admiral like somehow gets him in front of Palpatine like immediately is kind of like out there. I mean, maybe there's some kind of policy in the Empire. If you find a new alien, you bring him to the Empire and win some brownie points. I don't know how that works exactly, <laughs> but like. Like I remember, I remember thinking about it. One. Like while I was listening to it, of like how we how he got the audience with the emperor was was like uh, somewhat unbelievable, uh, like from a storytelling perspective. So, but yeah. I, I still, I he, he may yeah. he may have been busy in the first month of a new empire. That's true, yeah, just just a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, Zahn was definitely like, you know what? This is people's favorite character from Legends, basically. If I I can put him and Palpatine together, and they'll just think it's so dope, they won't question how he got there. And you know what? Yeah, You're right. Absolutely right. Yeah. It still works. Fancy like, don't get me wrong. It still works. And, and I, no, I have, works. I've I've said over stretch. and over again that, that the Thrawn book may be one of my all time favorite books. And I said that I think I don't remember if I said that it's still in my top five or it's right out of my top five after having listened to it recently. But it's still yeah, it's definitely out. in my top ten. So I still absolutely love the story. Um, but yeah. 
But it is a little, I, I, yeah, the the entire and seeing them kind of coming up with a plan of like, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, get in front of the emperor is like all right, bro. Like, I'm just gonna get an audience with President right? Biden. Let's just make it happen by next week. You know, it's like yeah, good yeah, luck. Like, all right, <laughs> kind of a stretch. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is interesting too to bring up the point of like more or less handing off this character to Favreau and Filoni, right? With whatever it is that they're putting together, because That's a good point. the books really are building up Thrawn's sole purpose and mission as like kind of figuring out a way to defeat the Grisks. And the more books that Zahn writes, it's going to become more and more apparent that that's like his kind of his mission. And obviously to defend the yeah. ascendancy <laughs> itself. And then whatever we get in the TV side of things, if it's not his mission, it may not feel as thrawny yeah, that, as we're expecting. I was yeah, thinking yeah, about that right. too. Like if they just, uh, if, you know, however they bring him into the live action stuff, if they just like, straight up make him like a like a villain <laughs> like an evil moralist no values yeah. kill all the children villain like i'm yeah. <laughs> we're not yeah. gonna buy into that at all it's gonna be kind of a it's yeah, gonna be a problem no. like i mean you know as much as well, favreau we, we and polonia about- like talk i mean they're genius storytelling i mean you listen to anything of them behind the scenes right. and they're like they get star wars better than we get star wars like by far right so like oh, yeah Surely they're like reading the books or at least skimming them, like as they come out. Particularly, they yeah, know right. what's happening. <laughs> Do you think they read the books? I don't think they. I don't read think they them. read them, but they. Floaty I think might. they. I think they participate with the books. I think they get cliff notes from from someone higher story up. Group? Yeah, yeah. Story okay. group. yeah. Yeah. Well, especially with Thrawn, like, hey, there's a very, <clears throat> very clear Thrawn trilogy coming out now especially since he was a book character like there's still books going on i think they obviously know that i also think that seeing what they're doing now with boba fett going from the killer assassin to now this show is making him the protagonist that he's gonna be brutal but he'll have a heart of gold like that's what star wars is is taking the guys that are the brutal killers and then all of a sudden they have a heart of gold and change of heart and i think that if thrawn comes into the ahsoka show which i assume he will uh i think it's definitely going to be like a we're going to see each other. Oh, God. Fight, fight. Thrawn, I've been looking for you. Wait, wait. He's not who you think he is. It's me, Ezra. Like, I think there will definitely be a calming down of that, and Thrawn will he'll pull a Loki. It's, he's the murderous guy that turns to the good side because there's a bigger threat yeah. in play. Yeah. It is sort of a test, though, um, like, in, in my opinion. I, I know that we, like, we, we are very much a positive community, and we find the joy in everything, and we absolutely believe in that. And whatever they end up doing, if, if it's counter to the discussion that we're having right now, we will fall in love with it, right? I mean, that's just how we, op- we operate, right? Sure. Um, but this is somewhat of a test, right? Because this is the entire reason that yeah. Disney sort of – like set aside legends and created the concept of legends. They didn't want the stories happening in the books and comics to interfere with the stories that can happen on screen. And now and visuals, we're having them right. happen sort of simultaneously, right? So this is a test. Like it's a test to see if they can handle yeah. the idea of storytelling happening in different mediums and still telling a cohesive story because yeah. they could really pretty easily mess it up in my opinion. Like I mean like sure. like yeah. I think I think the Thrawn that we've seen throughout history through rebels and the books and all this kind of stuff has been pretty consistent. Um, but like mm-hmm. Ron has been a villain in legends and in rebels. Right. So it's very interesting that we have him almost yeah. a good yeah. guy in this, in this series. I will say quick plug. Uh, if you're on our Patreon, our most recent episode of ghost crew that came out this past week, 
um, on the episode Inside Man in season three, Charlie and I have a talk about this because I said doing this episode where Thrawn comes in as a villain and does some like messed up stuff in that episode between roundtable episodes talking about how he's a hero was very interesting. So if you haven't rewatched Rebels since you've read these books, I highly recommend it. Go check out our episode about it because we, we go into very big depth about what it means to view Thrawn in Rebels through the lens of the Ascendancy Trilogy. Hmm. Plug. That's like a whole episode in and of itself right there. Oh, yeah. Um, let's let's talk about some other new stuff that we got in this trilogy. And we've seen some new Force abilities in this trilogy, right? Third Sight, as it's called by the Chiss, is kind of the most well-known, which is what allows the Skywalkers or the Navigators to find their way through hyperspace now second mm-hmm. sight is less focused on but it is a chiss ability that we learned about actually from the previous Thrawn trilogy so was we learned about it you haven't learned about this yet it's <laughs> it's second sight, you say. yes it's basically it's telepathy okay and we kind of saw like that on steroids with what the magus did in this book with cherry right she was speaking to her telepathically more or less but then also took over her entire body you know that happens sometimes <laughs> so, you know, that was it was who among, who among us hasn't yeah you, you know, know sometimes <laughs> you take a left when you meant to take a right it happens um but what did y'all think of that moment i'm, I'm curious because it was a relatively quick moment it ended we all moved past it uh but i mean that's kind of a big deal. Like, how did that land with y'all? It was a really big deal in the audio book because it was Cheery, uh, like it was Cheery's character, but it was the Mages narrating. So it was the entire yeah. scene was in the Mages's voice. So that's cool. Yeah, it was very good in the audio book, and it was kind oh, of audio books. It was, are it, was rad. it was scary. Really I mean, good. there's <laughs> absolutely pros and cons to audio books. Like, you know, I can't remember any of the names of the books apparently, but you know. Uh, the, uh, that entire scene was, was like really scary. Like I was like, let go of my girl. Come on. What are you doing? Let go of her. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't like it. It was scary. I thought, yeah. I, I thought something bad was going to happen. I thought they were going to hurt her or kill her or something. I was like, I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. Well, the force is being really expanded lately in all the books, right? I mean, we got, uh, in, in Light of the Jedi, one of the first things they do with Avar Chris is link up together to move the uh, the thing from blowing yeah. up in the asteroids, right? right. Or, or, or from blowing up into the sun. Like, So that is a Force ability. Now, that kind of Force connection. And I think as the years go on, the Force is becoming more about connection. Connecting, like, you know, the tree, the rock, the blah, blah. <laughs> like, all that stuff is really becoming huge. And I think that part in here i was like oh they're really stepping on it like if you're not trained in the force but are trained in the site like sherry was essentially leaving herself open as a vessel and the mage is like oh cool that's that's an open pathway i'm just gonna dive right in because the force like allows me to do that and i think i want to see what the chists now do because they had their you know black widow red room project where they were brainwashing all the girls and turning them into (laughs) good reference reference I want to know now what the chess will. Mm. They, it, it's immediately what I thought of. I'm like, you are ruining these young women's lives. Um, <laughs> but then they're like, okay, now that we know this can happen, what are the chess like 200 years down the line when they realize what is possible with the force and things like that? And I'm like, ooh, ooh okay. I, I, I was 
caught by it, but like the Grisk, I became very interested for the future of it in the Ascendancy itself. Yeah. It's kind of cool that they were talking about how, oh, the the Magus can potentially see like a little bit into the future of how a battle is going to go and then be able to maybe change some of those events. I mean, it's kind of like what Jedi do, even though it's only a couple of seconds, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. they do see a yeah. move ahead. Oh, she's more or force less. sensitive, straight mm-hmm. up. So, and when when that was brought up at the like at the council meeting that Thurfian went to, um, he was telling him that this magus or this being can connect with our Skywalker's third sight. Uh, the the boat the Boadil was like. Well, it wouldn't be useful for investment. <laughs> I know. And I was like, yeah, of course it would be useful for investment. <laughs> what do you, you mean? Idiot. So, so like, uh, sell, 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 so sell, sell. <laughs> yeah, maybe not bonds, but options trading. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that was funny. Yeah. Well, speaking of third sight, uh, y'all, Kalori figured it out. Like, he yeah. knows... <laughs> That the yeah. Chiss Navigators, the Skywalkers, are all children. I'm going to ask this question in a very pointed way. Did anyone else think it Dude. was super random when he just realized all of a sudden he was just like, fire on that warship. Oh, my <laughs> God, they're children. Yeah. Like, it was like so, it was so just tiny <laughs> Yeah, yeah literally. Why. The way he figured it out, because, like, you know, I'm in a gamer chair. I can adjust the stuff. He's like, wait a minute. This has it. This is this was last adjusted for a child. I'm like, or like a yeah, short I was, dude, uh, man. Yeah. I, I, was, I was imagining yeah. that. I kind of I was laughing when that when that scene happened because like like when he was describing the the, the stuff, I was imagining like one of those little tiny like like plastic like bright pastel color like kindergarten chairs i'm talking about that are that are obviously tiny and made for school exactly like they're (laughs) obviously made for children like that's the chair that's the one that's there just like oh oh yeah it's 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 for kids oh yeah it's not just a stupid small chair that makes perfect sense yeah there's 34 (laughs) juice boxes on the floor (laughs) holy shit (laughs) yeah exactly yeah it was i didn't yeah, he didn't need to figure that out, but he did now. I agree. It was a bit of a stretch, and I'm like, shake your winglets and, and do shake your winglets. I will say, never say that again. <laughs> I will say, though, that if you have not read the entire first canon trilogy, which does come after this in the timeline, like, there is payoff, like, that someone figured it out. So, Wes, you know, some of the events of those books – Someone needed to figure out that the navigators were children for those events to How happen. How have you not read so, that, Wes? You're on a Star Wars book pod. You were a disgrace. Okay. You know that? Oh, Lord. <laughs> hey, Wes, how's your face? <laughs> 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 I, think, I think I was brought on um, at a time oh where we weren't actually reading <laughs> we books. We were not this, actually reading uh, books. They're, actually, they're <laughs> actually not very good. So, I mean, quite frankly, they're pretty low They're pretty low on our All list. Right. The, the third one is good, but the second one with Anakin is is is... Not peak zone. Uh, I want to say like, I want to say like, sometime like really recently after those books is when I started like with the yeah. Like, I think new that's. I, I mean, we started our first roundtable was Master and Apprentice, so we definitely started the podcast after after that. I yeah. think yeah. I think yeah. within months, to be honest. Yeah. Yep. Well, Kalori was not the only one to learn about Skywalker's in this book, right? Cherry and Thalius discover the whole secret shade house, like Borica, and the whole process called fading, quote unquote fading. And that's what Eric was mentioning with like the brainwashing, 
they get rid of all the young girls' memories so that it's easier for the military to control them, essentially. And these huge revelations came right at the end of a trilogy, like the last few pages, really. And I want to know, do you think we're going to get payoff from any of that? Like, is that something... Are you interested, I guess, to see where this goes? Do you want books about Chiss now? Are you invested enough in Chiss culture that you want books about Chiss that have nothing to do with Thrawn? Those are two different questions. They are. Because one... Do we think there's no. going to be payoff? I don't. Yeah, me either. Oh, okay. I don't think um, we're going to learn any more about because that. Because I think, because <clears throat> re- realistically, you're going on two things here. One, it's Chiss without Thrawn, which I I think we would all like. I think is an impossible thing for a general mm-hmm. book market. Mm-hmm. General book market. Yep. Um, yep. But twofold, you're also, that is a story completely about women helping out young yeah, girls. Be cool. And I think that <clears throat> Marvel barely did Black Widow 10, 15 years after with almost with a similar storyline. I think, unfortunately, still we're still too far away from them being like, hey, it's a book all about women helping young girls live better lives. In Star Wars, they're like, where's the men? I think it's still like stupidly a thing that would harm that book from being published at this at this point it would be a, it would the, be i would love a black widow-esque <laughs> thalius comes back and oh no it kills is a everybody. perfect story i mean <laughs> i would love it come on thalius <laughs> yeah thalius Borica, and cherry come together to form a tag team that goes and finds former faded skywalkers to come and blow up the good. facilities mm. that have been brainwashing them yeah it's it's an incredible spy yep. caper story <clears throat> that absolutely it should be honestly it should be a comic <clears throat> i think would be the best medium for it um if it gets made, I want to be proven wrong so freaking yep. hard. But because I do think it is the perfect story, it is the perfect setup uh, I, for that. Zahn, I, I think, did that absolutely intentionally. But I, don't I do think very much like the uh, all the family drama and politics that we have with uh, the Chiss, which I think is really rewarding. And I could see it. Yes. I could see it like all kind of playing together. But I mean, I don't think that anybody else would would want to touch it as long as Zahn is writing Star Wars books, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No one else could could remotely figure out the, the Game of Thrones yeah, level. Like only Zahn can do it. So unless step. he's being invited to do it, then like he's probably not going to do it. And I don't know that they would contract him to write something besides Thrawn. To be honest. No. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't I mean, realistically see it happening. It is, it is so hard to. No, it's so hard to sell books as it is. Like they needed Thrawn Ascendancy to be on the cover, or, like, you need the name Thrawn had to be on the cover yeah. of all these books. Hell, the first Thrawn book is just yeah. called Thrawn with <laughs> yeah, his true. face on it. Like, yeah. they're like, we need people to buy these books based on their love of the Thrawn character only. And I think that that's why we're getting books now, or the shows are called, like, Kenobi, Andor. Like, yeah. they are blatant advertising characters that you know and love because we are trying to make but money. Still, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, I don't but blame still, we are for. speculating here. And to answer your question, Charles, like, yes. do we want, uh, uh, do we, uh, do we want more <laughs> chess? I think so. I really like the family drama, yes. mafia kind of politics. Like I, I want more of that in star Wars. We don't really yeah. have like, we don't really have that kind of political drama elsewhere. Like we have it in the yeah. Imperial I form, but like, we don't really have it in this Form with this family drama, I think it works. I think it's fun to yeah uh, to read, and I think it works. So you know, I'm all for yeah. it. I, I'm invested in it. And if we got a yeah. book just about Alias or something, or about even 
Like, let's let's think about other characters like Arlani or we have lots of really great characters that we could have you know yeah. kiss books about and I'm I'm all for it man. I mean Thurfian like yeah the Syndicure all those <clears throat> politics like the backstabbing and like it's the, really like, rich. All of it I would mean, just be. That would, scratch an, that would scratch an itch that people were looking for if inner politics kind of stuff that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. yeah, That would be rad. And Stephanie Mack, you make a great point, Stephanie. Timothy Zahn did. He wrote Scoundrels and Allegiance. That's true. Without Thrawn back in I the day. Love so. Scoundrels. Scoundrels. I mean, loved it. If it's just the the Chiss Ascendancy <clears throat> trilogy, maybe you call it. I mean, there's, I don't know. I, think it, I don't know what the, the numbers on these books are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hope they're good enough, but yeah. If we're just going on pure pitch and idea, I want the spy trilogy with Cherry and Thales and Thrawn's sister. I want the political backstabbing and the rise and fall of the families. Maybe an actual civil war. Cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because again, like you said, Charles, that moment of greater good is epic because you're like, oh my God. Chess ascendancy, be... civil and then it war. Stops. <laughs> and then Spider Man comes in. It's like, oh yeah, no. Exactly. Everybody gets yeah. one. Well, uh, so talking about the fading, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. So, um, Thalius knows she was a Skywalker, but does she remember any of the like details? Is that what the fading is? It scrubs yeah. the details, but you you know the overall story of your life. You just you don't, don't know where you came details. from, or your parents, so, and your family, and all that shit. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. It like it erases anything that would give you ties and <clears throat> loyalty to anything other than the just military they don't want you yeah. to have any reason to walk away from your responsibility to the military i wonder how that i wonder how that like works early memory like, is that somebody using the force on them or is that how does that work that's got to be that's some next level shit right there i mean ice pick like total recall stuff I, I assume it's scientific <laughs> scientific okay purely because like yeah because like the force do a, is still you do a lobotomy on like, them or something <laughs> lobotomy yeah zap hey, them maybe. with some electroconvulsive like, therapy like for a little too long is that what they do like shit I mean, there's something to it because, like, the Force is still, like, they, they grow out of their Force abilities, essentially, in the Chiss is their thing. So if you're older doing this to the younger kids, you don't have command of the Force, essentially. So it would have to be something scientific yeah. or technological to essentially get rid of the core memories. Because I think, like, they can remember being a Skywalker-ish, kind of what you were able to do, which is why Thalius can kind of identify with Cherry. Mm. But I also think Thalius seems to be described as being a little unique. Like, I think she can remember a little more than others can. Yeah. So I think it is, It is though, like you said, Charles, it's getting rid of, like, the parents. It's getting rid of the siblings. Like, that, the most heartbreaking line of the book. Yeah. Where she's like, I don't, want, I don't care about being Thrawn. I don't remember him. Yeah. Like, absolutely broke it, me in It half. was the moment yeah. uh, where Hermione wipes her uh, parents' memories of her, her before she goes off. Didn't? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But it. in I reverse, think, I guess. Yeah, it's a great tactical strategy, but it is obviously horrifying ethically, which I think describes most of the ascendancy. Yeah, frankly, I would though. I would really love to see more of that story, and just as a counterpoint, and maybe like yeah. a little ray of hope. Like, look at the the Queen's trilogy that we've been getting. It almost exclusively features young women. So, I mean, there true, great. There point. is a market for it. Certainly, I mean, we all have fallen in love with that trilogy for at sure. this point. That's so, true. I mean, I Good. hope that they look at it. that and maybe think it might translate to these stories as well. I, I'd love to see these characters again. But That'd be we rad. have got to move on. we got to move on to a big thing. We're going to spend some time on this, I think. Perhaps the most anticipated aspect of this novel, thanks to Greater Good's final chapters, and that is 
Starflash. <laughs> Starflash. Right? It's hard it's hard to say without doing jazz hands. <laughs> and waka waka waka. <laughs> I'm gonna read y'all a couple quotes that I mashed together and then we can talk about it a little bit more. So here we go. We no longer remember who obtained the item, that's Starflash, and brought it back to the Ascendancy, but they brought with it a report of what it did, how it worked, and the terrible consequences of its use. The Stibla built the Bastion, the forerunner to the UAG, and hid it away, never to be used. But then, centuries later, came an invasion by a merciless enemy. Our outer worlds were overrun, and the defense force pushed back until only Scylla, or Chila, isn't it Chila? I always say Scylla in my head. Chila, Chila remained Chila. unconquered. The enemy gathered all of its ships and armies, preparing for what is now known as the final assault on Chila. We knew there was no way we could stand against them, and we knew that if we lost, the Chis faced extinction. And then, the Stibla Patriarch remembered Starflash. We'd never seen Starflash in operation. Indeed, its very design made it a single-use weapon, but we knew how to operate it. The problem was that it would take 20 warriors to activate it, and for those 20, it would be a suicide mission. The myth volunteered, Starflash is an energy weapon, but something entirely different from spectrum lasers or plasma spheres. It sends a massive burst of tachyonic and light speed energy into the, fo- into the surface of the sun, which then triggers a return burst many thousands of times as powerful. Afterward, once the Ascendancy had freed the Outer Worlds from the minor garrisons the enemy had left behind, the Patriarchs unanimously decided to keep the details locked away in secrecy, never to be revealed to the Syndicate or the general public. What we hadn't anticipated, and what Starflash Records hadn't described, was the effect on Sheila's sun. Apparently, the brief disruption of its surface layers extended deeper than expected into its core. Over the next few decades, it began to cool, ultimately forcing Sheila's citizens to either move underground or abandon it entirely. So that was just packed full of new information like it it was all new to us we didn't know what starflash was all we had was a name we didn't know about this old force that had almost extinguished the chiss as an entire species we didn't know why (laughs) chila was cold and everyone had moved underground like this was so much information that clearly zon has just been sitting on so so firstly i have to ask how did y'all feel about the introduction of a new super weapon finding its way into a Star Wars story. I'm tired of super weapons, but I realize this is a this is a losing battle and it's never going to stop. So, you know, I have to just embrace it every time it shows up. <laughs> we have so many super weapons, specifically planet killing weapons in Star Wars, like it's 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 mm-hmm. just a it's almost like a a goofy trope at this point that that's the thing. We get super weapons. I rather yeah. I rather Take a super weapon over like a disease that like slowly eats away a race or a species or something. Yeah, you know? it's a little too close to home, Wes. I know. <laughs> Just like a, if I could a never quick, read another Star Wars dead. book about a contagious plague, yeah. I'd be real freaking stoked about. It. Here, real quick, PSA: Star Wars authors, I love you all. If you think you're being Don't edgy do by doing the next like plague book, you're not. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. We don't want it. <laughs> oh man. I mean, I, I can I can appreciate you know answer the question. Are you tired of it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, t- anyway, at the, at, as long as it's not like a whole fleet of ships and they all have a Death Star on them, I'm fine with it. All right. So okay. All right. Yeah. Happy two year yeah. anniversary of the Rise of Skywalker. Anyway, uh, I was gonna say, um, <laughs> Star Flash is cool. I like that. It was like the high sea mm-hmm. weapon. Like unleash the power of the sun. I like it. Uh, I thought it was <laughs> the high sea weapon. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, it was it was cool. I, I just... love the. <laughs> <laughs> That's what uh, it was. I, I'm just imagining those. Uh, uh, what were the orangutans? What, what was that? What was that? That was Tang. That was Tang. Was All right, Tang, tang was different than High C. Okay. Can we yeah. can we uh, do an episode in the future where orangutans. we we figure out which beverage from the 90s each super weapon is? Like, what was the Death Star? It's like why Absolutely. why was the Death Star Capri Sun? We don't know, but oh my God. yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Because it was Ecto-Cooler. really hard to stab into, but once you find the I think hole, those, it's just I think done. those I think the um, Star Destroyer weapons are like gushers, like fruit gushers. You know what I'm talking about? You remember how over the top all those commercials yes! were? They like they eat one, like their head got really yep. big, and they like turn into a superhuman. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of what it is like. <laughs> yep. All right, preview for that episode. Uh, but to answer your question, Charles, I'm I'm personally not sick of of big super weapons in Star Wars as long as they make them interesting. And I think Star yeah. Flash was that. As consequences, I love that's new. The, yeah, exactly. I like yeah, that. exactly. And I love the story, like the story of the past. That was like there was a small team, and and all the families agreed to yeah, keep that this was secret. Cool. Like the, it, it, it wove beautifully into the history yeah, of the I Chiss. Like that a lot. And uh, like it was just really cool because like oh this is it's the nuclear option. It's like we acknowledge volcano it exists, option, but it's so horrible. Yeah. But, <laughs> yes, like we got to put it away. So I I really liked the story behind the weapon, and maybe that's the secret. You can make whatever weapon you want, as long as you have a really great story as to why it exists or how it's used. I'm in. Yeah, and and that kind of leads into the second part of the question too, because they introduce this massive idea, they introduce this super weapon, and we're led to believe that when Thrawn goes and visits the UAG, or I would argue it's implied that he leaves with Starflash, right, and that he may mm-hmm. use it in the final battle against the grisks and yet he doesn't Mm -hmm. and i don't know did y'all feel cheated by that did you enjoy the twist that he actually was using a totally different weapon if he wasn't using it do you question at all why we needed all this information about it if it was not actually used like what are your thoughts on all of that kind of that convoluted ending i i like it that he didn't use it i mean i think it i think it i think it spoke to the morality of his values like that he didn't use it so i like yeah. it mm-hmm. it's the character yeah 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 i mean that's just what y'all were talking about earlier that's another thing that zon could have put in there like hey i still got another i still got another plot twist that i can throw in there about this star flash thing that i can i could probably push out two trilogies with yeah. that what do you think <laughs> yeah. Star yeah, I mean, he, he also wasn't on his own planet either right yeah. like he was on it was at this alien right. planet, right? Of uh, the what's what was it mm-hmm. called? Sunri- sunrise. Sunrise. Yeah, sunrise. Yeah, he was on that planet. The sun was going to rise if he used Star Flash. <laughs> but maybe, That's but right. maybe not for much longer. <laughs> you, yeah, you you really got into your South Carolina there, Charles. <laughs> there Get back home, boy. God willing, and the crick don't rise. <laughs> Do your parents have accents, Charles? No, no. my dad's from Charleston, but he's, I don't know. My mom's from Pittsburgh, so they just kind of canceled out with me, I guess. Hold on, hold on. Hey, do your parents have access, Charles? No, my mom's from Charleston. And I'm like, (laughs) like, yeah, totally, no accent at all. Um, Real quick, I was was like one more quick thing about Star Flash. I I like that he didn't, because I did like Zahn having the last laugh of like, oh, you thought... You thought, and and I don't think anyone likes subverting their readers as much as him as he's on. I think he really loves being True. a step ahead. But you you can feel the like when he's like, "Oh, I got him." I mean, just again, read the end of Scoundrels. Um, yeah. yeah. But I I I think it again, it fit the story. 
I didn't feel slighted because the last battle was still really cool. And it showed, like you said, Corey, Thrawn was not willing to sacrifice a ton mm-hmm. of innocent lives to prove a point or to win a victory. And I think that makes him different. And I think that basically defines his character going forward. Because if he had used it, I would look at him differently going forward in the canon trilogy and in Rebel. Uh, that that, that, like, that might yeah. exactly that might be like a, that might be like grounds for execution from the point of the chest too. Like if he so for like real. they just they somehow talked for him real. into just kicking him out of the ascendancy rather than like literally killing him. So yeah. I don't, that might have been hard to adjust. Yeah, hard no, to that just was great. <laughs> <laughs> that would have gone badly. They, they they pitched the idea of uh, exile to the council, and they're and they're like, "Judgment is death." <laughs> they're like, "Oh shit, we done messed up." <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to some Easter eggs, some connective tissue, some random thoughts sprinkled in there as well. I always have to give you some of those uh, from page one fifty nine. We have this quote, it was therefore a surprise, but a welcome one, Mm, when he'd been traveling for barely 20 minutes when a section of the Starscape was blotted out. I did not catch that. So nice, nice callback to Palpatine there. That's like, that's like, that's like, that's like one of the top, like, meme quotes, like, from, from, like, like, prequel memes and shit. Like, is Zahn, like, tuned into that? I don't think so. He absolutely. Yeah, as like I said, not. I don't think he I, is. I, I so would, how did he? Uh, this is what an interesting <laughs> reference to choose in 2021. <laughs> Tom, <true>. Tom, <laughs> was this you? <laughs> he absolutely is not. <laughs> yeah, Zahn just Timothy Zahn into <laughs> meme culture. Oh my! God. Zahn just turns in the first like the first uh, draft, and it says it was a surprise. And then Tom's like, "Have you considered it being a welcome one?" Very good. I want to know if that was you, <laughs> Tom. And, and, and then Timothy Zahn says, "I mean." I mean, sure, I suppose it would be, would be welcome in that, in that scenario. So, uh, yeah, we put it in the book. Oh, man, I freaking love that. <laughs> uh, uh, moving on to the next one, page 201. Thrawn gives Kilori some Galara tea leaf. And this was a callback to Chaos Rising when it was mentioned that Galara tea leaf was Kilori's favorite beverage. So this was when Thrawn was trying to butter him up get him to work with the, with the chiss. Yeah. But uh, it was a nice moment that shows that right. that's Thrawn knows, he, man. Did he, he write knows, that he shit down? Like, did he like put that like in his phone or something? Because there's no way that I would remember that kind of detail. Galara. <laughs> he knows. You know, they said, because yeah. I have problems with this, obviously. I think it's just severe ADHD. That's the, that's the big issue. But I can't remember details about like this. <laughs> I, I read a, I read a, part of a biography about napoleon bonaparte and he he did that he kept he had hundreds of little black books that they found after he died like that he wrote details about people and that's why he was so likable as a person so i'm oh, just i'm just, just yeah exactly he took people. notes on people's names and like details about their lives and stuff and like oh, does thrawn do that well, <laughs> or is he just he's just that utterly maybe. brilliant that it's in his mind i don't know the world may never know <laughs> um, an- another cool moment here in the book flash flies were mentioned in this novel and that is something that was actually mentioned in every single novel in this trilogy really and previously it had been oh. used where thrawn had noticed cherry drawing flash flies and that's what helped him deduce her desire to fly to fly ships that's what led oh. them to their little mini mission together sure and so they were mentioned again in this book as well. Uh, Tactica was introduced in this novel, which was a Chiss strategy board game. And while that's a new creation in this book, we've never seen it before, it seemed to be kind of the ascendancy equivalent of hollow chess. Mm. So that was fun to see more board games. 
Stratego. Yes. <laughs> Apple, apples to apples, if you will. Uh, page 354, Samacro says, there's a lot to see and do on Chile, you know. The lieutenant at the receptionist desk will give you a credit chit good at any hotel, restaurant, or entertainment center anywhere on the planet as long as you need it. And I'm sorry, but... Like, are the taxes on Chile just unreal? Because who is footing that bill? <laughs> like, yeah, just ask for the blank check at the front desk. It's fine. It's fine. It's in, dude, it's, 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 hey, it's, it's military spending. If you think the U.S. military spending is out of control, imagine what the chips put into military spending. It's just got to be like 98%. I don't of the know, GDP. man. Emily Daybag from Legends Look Back, like, we just hung out with them, like, last night talking about the Army and stuff. And I can I can tell you for certain that the Army does not have credit chits for the Army to use just wherever they want. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Just pretend that you're a tank. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> All right. At one point in this book, we get a, this quote here, and Corey, you mentioned this earlier. I know you read Senior Captain Thrawn's earlier report about his encounter with General Anakin Skywalker of the Galactic Republic, Bakif said. At the time, the Republic was embroiled in a war with a faction calling themselves the Separatists. According to a group of refugees, the Springhawk encountered aliens calling themselves Neomoidians. That war has ended. So gotta love a good Neomoidian reference. First of all, that was a great reference. That's that's the story I want. I want the refugee Nemoidians that just live in the ascendancy now. Yes. <laughs> it's like, what's happening? I, I don't know. And I then, don't know if I can think about more dislikable aliens in all of Star Wars, though. So. <laughs> the Chiss yeah. yeah. are already yeah, like right, super right. racist. Like they definitely don't need to be like the Nemoidians, like to come meet them yeah. and hang out on Chila. Like that would never go well. No. Well, they well won't. and. <laughs> <laughs> and more from that same passage the quotes continue the separatist forces were apparently crushed or perhaps simply collapsed when their leadership was destroyed but the republic also disappeared with a new government rising in its place that calls itself the galactic republic it was clear from my conversations with general skywalker that the republic was weak and fragmented Thrawn said its leadership included many different factions and alien viewpoints and it was continually being pulled in different directions. The Empire, in contrast, is unified under a single man and a single vision. Sounds like General Yiv and the Nicardin, Aralani said with a shiver. Are we thinking the Empire could be a problem down the road? It could, Bakif said, but it could also be a solution. And it was just really cool, I think, to see the events of Revenge of the Sith reference from an outsider's point of view someone who doesn't know what the yeah. empire is doesn't know really what the republic was or the separatists were mm -hmm. and just talking about this so flippantly yeah, right? right like these events yeah, yeah, so yeah. casually yeah. that's that why i said i loved destroyed it. it all of us yeah yeah that's great really incredible yeah i wonder i wonder Our i really want to know how the chiss like i'm telling you i want that i want that story of of Thrawn alongside order 66 happening because like what are the what would the yeah. Chiss think about this, of, like, all the tyranny and awfulness of the Empire, actually? Because Thrawn doesn't really seem to give a shit, like, the whole time he's in, like, Rebels and stuff, so. Yeah, or is it effective? You know, that's <clears> the thing, the Chiss, pro like, really prioritize <clears throat> efficiency over a that's lot true. of stuff. <clears throat> now that I'm thinking about it, I was, I thought if Thrawn was there during this time, he would be kind of taken aback about it, but now I'm thinking... Well, he was in Rebels, and he, yeah, knew he, was he going already on. hates he democracy. Like, screw this. <laughs> screw yeah. freedom. Yeah. What the hell is that all? <laughs> Keep people safe. I'm going to keep you safe, and I will shut you in your home under lock and guard to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they would probably be like, "So you put a chip in everyone's head, so that you can control their actions." Hold on, Magus. 
may just come here <laughs> like you you can do this <laughs> we have an idea we have an idea brilliant <laughs> um on page 545 thrawn is speaking he says i'll gather whatever information i can about the empire then return and discuss my findings quietly of course with supreme general bakeef in the council between all of it i don't expect to be gone from the ascendancy more than a few months a year perhaps at the most now According to the Utini timeline, which I trust with my life, this book <laughs> takes place in 19 BBY. Mm. And the latest book in the timeline involving Thrawn is Treason, which takes place in 1 BBY. So finally, Thrawn was wrong about something, guys. <laughs> he said he'd be gone for a few months. And as far as we know, he's gone for at least 18 years. 18 wow. years. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So that's just a cool moment. What? Yeah. Well, probably more because in Rebels, it, that's uh, that's after the Battle of Yavin, so even longer. Yeah. My True. goodness! I mean, this dude just disappeared. I don't think I don't think Thrawn so. disappeared after the Battle of Yavin. Right? I think that happened. This, the Rebels concludes after Battle of Yavin, but I think Thrawn and Ezra disappeared before that. I'm pretty sure. But no, I think right. he's just saying that those events in the TV show are even after Thrawn. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, oh yeah, it, it's a, oh yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, it's right. it's, yeah, it's yeah. definitely it's definitely around yeah. that timeline. Yeah. What the hell is the Chiss Ascendancy been doing for the last twenty years? I'll, I'll, What's Arlani yes. doing? Is she like? Is this guy gonna? Add, this guy, I, I ask him out on a date to a museum, and then he ghosts yeah. me for eighteen years. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's a long way he's, to go not to go out with Arlani Thrawn. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on page 547, Bakif <laughs> says, I have to admit, though, that I'd always looked forward to seeing how you looked in Admiral White. I suppose I'll never get the chance now. That was a great, now. great reference. Yeah, yeah. that's a nice in-joke for us readers, right, who, at least those of us who are familiar and met Thrawn as a Grand Admiral and heir to the Empire because he was already in that white uniform. It's a very iconic look. Mm. It's just a great yeah. moment. Mm. Um, now, <clears throat> some, some of the best quotes, I think, from this book Page 11, Thrawn is speaking to Nakir, and he says, In my experience, superior wisdom can stand on its own merits. It does not require a warship to force acceptance. Hmm. Loved that one. Page 500, if there was one thing Aralani had learned about power, it was that far too many people, for far too many people, a small and fleeting taste wasn't nearly enough. Mm, that was a good quote. And then <laughs> lastly, 531 Thurfian says, A little wonderment is good for the soul, almost as good as a little humility. That's probably the best quote of the whole book, I think, and also one of the nominees, right, in the Utinis right yeah, now yeah. for was, uh, quote true. of the year. Oh, my gosh. Wait, Charles, you're telling me people could vote for that quote right, right now? now? Yeah, they, right they, now. I think there's a place they I, can I, go. I, I think it's utini.com slash awards. <laughs> Wait, they, they can go to utini.com slash awards and vote for that and this they, book for they book can of the year go right to utini.com slash awards they... and vote for this book <laughs> and other books for book of the year right now. Wow. And if they burn their fingers and their hands are all wrapped up, they can go to the description in the bottom uh, of YouTube and just <laughs> click on it. What? It's in the description. Well, that is. Including all the links to everything we've talked about during the show. I can't believe <laughs> that. this bit went on way too long. <laughs> That escalated quickly. Um, <laughs> but if one of you clicked, marks it's worth on the it. ends of our sentences. And now, just finally, the final Easter egg is literally the entire epilogue, right? Because it was straight from the first canon Thrawn. Like, everything just wrapped up so neatly in this nice little bow where we ended exactly where we started things however many years ago it was now. But uh, that was really incredible, and I wanted to give that a shout-out because that was a ton of fun. Yeah. 
I literally grabbed my first thrawn off the Same. shelf and went, I'm like, wait a minute, I bet this is. And you look at the prologue and you're like, you son of a... Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. Incredible moment. Yeah, that yeah. The prologue was great. It was a tearjerker. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, those would be <clears throat> Easter eggs that I have for this book. So it's time to go back around to wrap this up. Let's re-rate this book and then give me any final thoughts that you have. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we started with Wes giving his uh, score at the beginning of this. So, Wes, I'll go to you again. I, I'm i going to keep it at a 9.7. I believe that's what I had uh, selected it as. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. Mostly because throughout the entire trilogy, I was just trying to pick out the small details of how the hell does Thrawn get exiled from all of this. It seems like he is... Even though he he plays a shit political game and he can't really read the room very well, he is a master strategist. He is an absolute like icon to the military that you have to have in order to be successful in any kind of a mission. So wh- how could you get rid of him? And like that was that was evident throughout both the first two books. So I was just like, how are they going to exile him, and why would they do it? And eventually, I mean, like I guess politics and everything compounded on top of each other and he disobeyed a direct order and exile is the only reason but i guess that that payoff at the end is what really got it for me and made me give it such a high mark because i really enjoyed that part of the book all right so strong showing 9.7 and it stayed there um eric you go next What, what do you think all right, I think I was at a 9.4 at the top. I think I'll, I'll, I'll boost a 9.5. I'll say this is this book was, was fantastic. It was really, really excellent. And I think more so than anything, this book and this trilogy really made me love the character yeah. of Thrawn in a way that I haven't found yet. I, I, I've i said before, I'm not the biggest fan of the original Legends trilogy. I, I didn't really find an extreme connection in the canon trilogy. And I liked him in Rebels as a villain, but I like Rebels for other reasons. This trilogy made me love Thrawn. And I think the highest compliment I can give is that whatever character comes out of this trilogy and is put in other material, whether it's Thrawn, Thelius, Arlani, Sherry, uh, the Grisk, uh, you know, Thurfian, freaking Samacrow, whoever shows up, I will be excited and I will know why. And I think that is very key for a trilogy to introduce this many characters this many new things about the politics of a whole culture in another sector of space, and I followed it and found it enjoyable and interesting, and I can't wait for more, even though we just got over a thousand pages within a year and a half. It's really, really, really impressive. So happily given 9.5. Yeah. Really glad this was the last book of the year. I think it ends the, ends the year on a really wonderful note. That I mean, that's true. We learned so much about yeah. the... Yes, about the Chiss, but like... There was so much to learn, like their their yeah. hierarchy and all the new characters sure. and everything that happened. It's like a whole, basically a whole other galaxy that we learned yeah. about. Yeah. Was, yeah, I mean, that, that's, a lot in a yeah, little. Yeah, that's definitely the point time. that I was going to make. Is like I don't see how you could possibly give any of these three books that that like from the Ascendancy trilogy like anything less than a ten for originality because like it is. Yeah. It is yeah. arguably the most impressive world building we've ever seen in Star Wars canon. I mean, it's so rich in the families and the histories and the cultures and the languages. I mean, good God. Like, he didn't just create the Chiss. Like, he created, like, ten different aliens and languages yeah. and 
like the names of their languages. Like it's in it's nuts. Like it's really, really insane <laughs> yep. just how how heady all this stuff is. Like 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 Zahn is literally kind of a genius, like at this stuff. I mean it's 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 pretty yeah. impressive. I mean I, I would argue that even all of the crazy new era high republic stuff, like you know, this would go kind of two for two with that as being original creative Star Wars storytelling. So like you know, if you think this is any less than a ten for originality, you're nuts. Like, I, I think this hard, hard rule. Um, I, I, yeah, exactly. I, I'm gonna stick yep. with the. Uh, I'm gonna stick with my nine point four. Is what I gave it. You know, I, I kind of skimmed our. I skimmed our Utini Radio order there for a second to kind of look at other nine point three, nine point four, and we we gave the first Bane book as the official re- review is a nine point three. So I'm like nine point three, nine point four is probably pretty accurate for me for this book. Like. Um, I loved it. I felt like it was a little convoluted at, at a couple of small places. I, I do have that sort of kind of aching dissatisfaction that we didn't get the grisk like story told like in, in a conclusive way. Um, you know, even listening to the audiobook, which happens at a pretty slow pace, the whole last battle of the book was pretty complex and convoluted to try to get my head wrapped around what the hell was actually happening. Um, but like, I think overall you're absolutely right. Like all the side characters, even beyond Theron, which, I'm with you, Eric. I absolutely love him as a character now. Like, um, I, I love him so much that I'm afraid for the future of him as a character. Like, I'm like, I'm like legitimately <laughs> yeah. concerned that like, like I'm trying to manage my expectations, right? About like the Ahsoka show and stuff. If that's where this, yeah. if that's where it's going to oh, be hard, man. Tough. Like, <laughs> like it, it's going to be yeah. hard to think that Thrawn is only a villain. I think going forward after this, this trilogy. So it's hard. We'll There's going to be people out there who don't know who Thrawn is though. It's true. He's gonna pop into some TV show, and then you're gonna have friends that don't know him. They're gonna look at you. They're gonna be like, "What do I need to know about Thrawn?" And you're gonna be like, "Well," and you're gonna come back with a stack. You're gonna be like, "Read these nine books." <laughs> exactly. And, uh, yeah, you're gonna be like, look. It's got blue pages. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's really incredible hearing y'all talk about just the world building in this trilogy alone, and thinking about the fact that we got that on top of the High Republic just in this past year. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of mm-hmm. blowing my mind. Looking yeah, yeah, that's like that's, like, that's, like, that's mean, like 20 people are working on High Republic or something insane like that. And Zahn, like you said, Eric, yeah. works on this in a vacuum. Like he's like by himself just yeah. coming up with all this genius level idea stuff. And it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that he creates this stuff. And he has done so for like yeah, he, he, freaking 40 he, years. It's insane. So, yeah. He's just in his own room being like winged. <laughs> 95 times. Winged. 95 <laughs> <laughs> you lose point one of a point right there just for that for for winglets ninety five times. Okay. Would have been a nine five. Would have been a nine five. Well, happily, <laughs> I say that out loud in my house. Probably That's how twice he lets week. Doc know it's time just, for dinner. Happily, <laughs> <laughs> That's what he sounds like in the audio. That impression is really spot on, Wes. <laughs> Clearly practicing that. <laughs> Oh my God! All right, Charles, you talk West's impression with your numbers. I I think that I will keep my number the same. I gave it a nine point three at the beginning, and I'm going to keep it there. I think it was a fantastic book. I think it's so. It, it, I mean, it almost gives you whiplash going from Ronin to going to this book yeah. because it was like, yes, let's take the fantasy aspects of Star Wars and run with it, and then the anything by Zahn is like, let's take the sci-fi aspects of yeah, Star Wars and sure. run with it. And yep, it's exactly. so cool that we can get these types of stories, just all kinds of different types of stories 
right next to each other in the same year on top of all the other stuff we got. I mean, really, this has been... I know I'm not even just talking about the book right now, but this year in Star Wars publishing really has yeah. just been incredible. I think it's been, probably I think it's been unlike the best, what we've had. Yeah, before. I think this is. I think it's really hard to argue this has not been the best year in Star Wars publishing, like since Disney exactly. bought Star Wars. Like, I mean, yeah. this entire year has been agree. nuts, and like it's stuff like the Throne of Sinistry trilogy and the leading High Republic novels that make it so much fun to do this goofy Star Wars podcast thing like every single week yeah. like because yeah. it's so fun to talk yeah. about it's so rich like we are so many yeah. layers deep into Star Wars like, and I'm not sure how much more nerdy we could get about Star Wars at this point like but we'll try we'll find out in 2022 <laughs> yes, <we will. laughs> yes. yeah. the roundtable discussions themselves help me understand the book like just those, all those details when you, we run through like the yeah. plot summary and then all the character descriptions, it helps me remember. It's like going, it's like studying for the test that I'm supposed to have about this book. Yeah, tomorrow, right? Yeah. But <laughs> never gonna come. Thank God, I still have that horrible <laughs> dream that I got one coming up. <laughs> all right, y'all. Well, I mean, incredible scores across yeah, the map. For sure, um, it's yeah, very it's high. Crazy to look back at at not just this year, but the Thrawn ascendancy trilogy just in, in general so uh with all of that that's a wrap for this round table and that's a wrap for 2021 round tables Man. and i will kick Man. it back to eric to take us home all right like charles said that is our last round table of 2021 which means next week is the utinis our final show of the year we are celebrating everything great that came out this year we are giving away awards and if you don't watch our video show and you have time, it is the night to do it. We will have new overlays. We will have ourselves dressed to the nines. We will just have a great, great time figuring out what the book of the year is going to be. Will it be Throne Ascendancy Lesser Evil? Will it be Rising Storm? Will it be Light of the Jedi? Will it be Victory's Price? And, of course, all the other categories. We can't wait to celebrate with you all uh, at the second annual Utinis, December 27th. 8 p.m. Eastern, we will see you live, or we will see you later as you watch, record, or listen. Regardless of how you choose to take it in, we hope you have a great, safe holiday season, hopefully surrounded by those that you love if you are able to, and we hope we're able to add to it as best we can as we look back at 2022 and forward. Nope, messed it up. Back to 2021 and (laughs) forward into the absolutely ridiculous that'll be 2022. My friends, my winglets... That'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. Don't ever Use say that again. What the hell, Eric? Thank you. <laughs> I will say whatever I want. Thank you so much for your support. We hope you're enjoying all the extra content we got. And, of course, tell us on our Discord and Patreon and what else you'd like to see from us. A special thank you goes out to Cheryl Bell. Okay, and our Jeremy Kazina, JG Cars, Earl Q, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council. And Matt Billington, Tyler Latour, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson and our Alliance High Command. And a special, special, special thank you to our very own Stephanie Mack, who has been here the last two weeks in the chat, constantly giving great comments all about Thrawn and, of course, about everything. If you ever see your comments on these videos, Stephanie, we love you. You're an incredible part of this community and uh, absolutely love all your thoughts on all things Mr. Thrawn. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Living Force Pod. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at Doc Star Wars MD. Charles Zetsy Hankel. Wes is at Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor. Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire. And Wes, our producer and community manager. 
Thank you to Corey Charles and Wes for potting with me tonight. Thanks to all of you for watching. We will see you next week for the Utinis. And as always, may the force be with you. Utini.com slash awards. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you, always.